Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Ryan Alford from The Radcast. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, Brian. Good to be here. appreciate you having me on the show. Happy to have you. So if you could tell us a little bit more about how you got into what you're doing, uh, what you're up to, uh, and then uh, we can go from there. That'd be great. Yeah, man. I uh, I mean, my day job now is running an ad agency. Uh, I we're in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, a booming little city, actually. If you've never heard of it, and don't move here because there's too many people moving here. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, you kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful place, great place to raise a family. Married, four boys, um, young boys, and coaching, doing all that stuff. But grew up in the ad business. I went to Clemson and been in the ad agency marketing game for 20 plus years, aged myself a little bit. And I started Radical, my own agency, five years ago after I moved back from, I lived in New York, was on Madison Avenue doing the New York thing, like any good ad guy, I guess. Uh, and so I uh, spent a long career working on some of the largest brands in the world and now help more probably medium-sized companies uh, at our agency, Radical. And Started our podcast, the Radcast, the studio I'm in today. Uh, at the same time, we started uh, Radical, and uh, we just have recorded episode 300 and have a top 25, pretty consistent marketing show uh, on both Spotify and Apple. So, uh, yeah, man, there's a lot in between, but that's the uh, the short and the the sweet of it. <laughs> yeah, the the highlights film is great. So. <laughs> And congratulations on episode 300. That is no joke, a serious achievement. Well done. Yeah, thank you. The um, uh, so so you picked up a lot of things uh, along the way. Clearly, uh, in in the big ad world, um, but you're also bringing that to the table for uh, for the guys in the middle. So uh, I want to hear a little bit more about what that looks like and what that means because a lot of folks uh, view advertising now as like, well, I'm going to throw 500 bucks at YouTube. Uh, and that clearly doesn't cut it. So if you can tell me a little bit more about like, um, how do you know when your business is right for the kind of advertising that you're talking about? Yeah, man. Uh, I guess I'll give you a little bit of my philosophy and some of the things, you know, that I've worked on. I mean, in New York, I worked on some of the largest brands in the world, uh, a lot of Verizon wireless business, uh, kind of ushering them from, relatively unknown in 2000, 2001, uh, again, dating myself, uh, working on Can You Hear Me Now? One of the most recognizable ad campaigns uh, in history and helping usher them into the smartphone age. Worked on the first iPhone launch, worked on Droid, worked on any of the many plethora of smartphone launches, uh, the LG Chocolate, the... the uh, blackberry x y or z you know every major phone that's had a name or a moniker uh i did work on those campaigns in you know the 2000s and you know also worked with many other name brands lexus audi on the automotive side worked with samsung electronics so Again, you've you've seen it on TV. You know, uh, there's a good chance that I worked on part of a campaign at least. Uh, you know, the last 10, 15 years, some of the most more recognizable when TV was more popular. Uh, there wasn't so many streaming options, but uh, it's been a great ride. And you know, it really set the foundation for me with my belief on two sides. You know, that we've we've grown into and like the companies we help now, this world where everybody's driving for performance. And we understand that everyone needs outcomes. You know, marketing needs to assist sales 
and help tee up sales. I, I say marketing rights to checks that sales cashes. And ultimately, there's two sides, though, to, to marketing for me. I mean, there's a million and it's complex, but you have to have brand and you have to drive demand. And we've moved into this world where people are leaving out the brand part and they think that they can just cheat and get to the bottom of the funnel by just marketing the promotion, by just selling the offer, by just doing speeds and feeds and feature sets. When in reality, it's proven, it's been proven and tested and billions of dollars spent proving that you need long-term and short-term marketing and branding to have long-term success. There's a term that I like to call, it's called short-termism. And that's the disease that we're facing today where everybody, you know, CMOs have the shortest job spans of anyone in the C-suite at most companies because their feet are held to the fire. And they're forced to make performance-driven decisions that impact the brand. So what I do is I really counsel companies that we work with that you have to invest in the brand, brand over time, sales overnight. And so you have to have a two-pronged strategy. And uh, depending on the company, we go at different strategies for how you elevate brand in today's world. It used to be television because you had mass awareness. You still do. TV's not dead. Uh, but the mediums have changed into these digital you know, avenues. You mentioned YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. There's a million social channels. There's a blend of these things. But the messages that you put out have to be a, a blend of making people think and feel something versus just wanting them to do, which is buy. And so we really counsel them on that. And it's been an effective formula <laughs> over the years. That's awesome. I, I want to uh, dig in a little bit on that, if that's all right. Please. The, um, uh, when it comes to understanding um, and building, you, you talked about the emotional content, which is which is really important. Um, essentially, finding out where somebody is in that funnel and marketing to them. You know, we talk about the funnel. We talk about you know sales and and marketing as you know sales is or marketing's top of the funnel, sales is bottom of the funnel, whatever. Uh, yep. whatever reality you want to kind of uh, framework you want to work with there. But when it comes to, to understanding where to address the market space, you know, there's obviously no one answer, right? Yep. You yep. have to create content uh, that speaks to every one of those levels. How does that inform the advertising as well? Yeah. Um, I like to say people think with their head and they buy with their heart. And so emotion plays a big role. and you you nailed it and what we everyone is not buying today no matter what you sell people are not every single person that might be your available audience is not in the same period whether it's a b2b purchase buying office equipment buying a saas or software maybe they're in early shopping mode uh, or uh information gathering and so you've got to put out content or ads or whatever insert name you want to call it. I prefer uh, content because everything's sort of content and, and it's not all ad-like objects. You know, it's putting out content to feed that full funnel. So you got to put out informational brochure type content that tells your story, that makes people understand why they should buy from you, that gives maybe your founder's story. Maybe it gives more information on how you treat your people Combined with, obviously, the solutions that you bring, what you have to do is we invest. We I like to evangelize the problem 
that the customer has versus the solution that we do. And so depending on where they are in that customer journey, you've got to kind of be feeding all the parts of it. And look, you need to have out there too, when you've got, you know, if you're a SaaS or something, and then what's your best price or first two months free? Yeah, you get into offer and those things. So you do have to feed the bottom of the funnel for sales, but you do have to be nurturing and putting content out that's readily available for those that are both exploring and searching for you or those that you're interrupting. Because here's what's going on. We're ads are always interrupting, right? We're breaking through. If you're on YouTube, I'm trying to get to that damn, how do I build a frame video? And this stupid ad's coming up, you know, it's getting in the way. Right. So you're always interrupting a bit with ads. But when people go to search you out, when they start their discovery phase, your website, the content that you have there, that you play, the video that plays when someone comes to your site is a much more thoughtful exercise and can be longer form content because people are exploring you and investing time in you. And when you're interrupting with ads at the bottom of the funnel, you've got to be just conscientious of that and know the types of formats to run to leverage that attention. So is there, I mean, you know, and, and I understand completely that the funnels are artificial, right? We create them and we think, okay, look, there's a level one, a level two, level three, and and consumers don't neatly fall into piles like that. It would be wonderful uh, but but that's not the case. But is there a place uh, in the funnel where there's like, a, uh, I, I understand like a cost benefit analysis kind of stuff. Like you spoke about it a little bit earlier, like folks are looking for that, those marketing managers looking for that like instant turnaround. Um, is is $10 at the bottom of the funnel and $10 at the top of the funnel? Does, is that the same thing? And what is, what's the difference? Yeah. Uh, and I think you're, you're kind of talking ROI. Um, here's the formula because it gets messy. I do a 60-40, a 60-40 formula. Uh, like, and it, it it varies, but it doesn't vary. It might go to 70-30 and it might go to, I don't know, 50-50. But 50%, at least 60% on brand activity, 40% on sales performance activity. So again, Things that elevate your brand, that build a long-term resonance in someone's mind, a memory, uh, a reason to buy you when they're ready. 60% of budget on that. And it's been proven over time. There's literally uh, books on this. About If you, if you Google short-termism, you could kind of find this, uh, this stuff. But there's been study about the long-term effects of branding and the and the and the budgets that you apply towards them and the percentages and where the best amount of investments and where you fall off and where it'll show you literally this grid where, or the uh, chart where if you just did performance for like eight months, your sales are great, right? But then there's this drop off the face of the earth because you've, you've gobbled up the readily available audience that's buying, that was buying then, right? And you haven't nurtured the top of the funnel so that when people are then ready to buy, they don't know enough or they haven't discovered you enough or researched you enough that they're not just going to respond to an offer. And so there's literally studies on this and it gets hard, um, you know, back to your exact question, the $10 here, the $10 there. I think I think of it more through a total budget over a, a period of time. And where and how you spend certain certain amounts, and knowing that you either, you have to trust the science and trust the data. 
at the end of the day, because these companies like an e-commerce brand that turns on, they think if they open the doors that sales are just going to rocket or they just can run unlimited Facebook ads and get a return on ad spend. Those days are over like that. You know, 2013, 2014, you could kind of do that. Open an e-com store as long as you had your fulfillment in order, you had a good product. You could just run Facebook ads and boom, 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 boom. Just doesn't work that way anymore. That was kind of a short window. So we're back to the the old school where you've got to build brand and build awareness and build intent and then close them when you got a good promotion. Right. So is there a the, you know, and I think you you raise an important point. The the brand development part of that conversation um, is something that doesn't doesn't start the engines right away. And so is there a time that that becomes like a flywheel and you can slow down on the brand development or is that like forever and ever amen? Forever and ever amen. It's uh you have to cuz look, <laughs> I'll give you the the example. Don't trust my opinion. Trust Coke, trust Verizon, <laughs> trust Budweiser, Bud Light. If Bud Light turned off 80% of their TV ads for 2 months, their sales would drop at least 40%. There's a reason that they're buying so much space. They have to stay top of mind. When you're a mass a mass product, look, it's a different game for B2B. So I mean, I'm giving examples of like mass, you know, Coca-Cola, Budweiser, those kind of things. But it, it's this, it's different but related even to B2B and other things because you you have everyone vying for attention and sales. There's competition in everything. And so if you let off the gas of keeping top line awareness and whatever you do, uh, you have to have that drumbeat. And that's how I used to describe it for, for clients is it's, you know, you got that steady drumbeat in the back. That's your brand. It's always hitting, reminding, awareness, boom, 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 boom. And you have to keep it on. And if you stop that, the beat stops. The awareness stops eventually. It might be, it's probably not month one, because I've done this to these exercises with companies like big brands where they go, oh, we'll, we'll stop that. We'll we'll stop. And look, in 30 days in, they're like, look, we stopped it. It hadn't done anything. Three months later, sales are tanking. And right. they're like, what is it tanking? What? What What did we do? Yeah. Like, well, you turn the brand drumbeat off. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's too late to turn it back on. It's not going to immediately solve for X, right? No, it's going to take you three more months to get back to where you were. <laughs> so so it sounds like there's a, probably a ratio in there that, you know, you said 60, 40, where, you know, if you're just starting out, you can uh, start with that, you know, high transactional stuff to get some revenue in the door and then move to more of a brand building approach as you go. That's uh, exactly when, right. That's which, that's the approach I, that I push with startups. That exact, you just described it perfectly. So, so with where you're at now, I mean, you've, you've now turned uh, your, your own business into that kind of model. Um, with the radcast and stuff like that, how has that informed what you're doing? I mean, uh, I imagine it, it all speaks to that same lesson. I eat my own dog food. <laughs> I know that's not the the sexiest thing to say, but I do. And so I practice and have practiced for five years exactly what I preach to companies. I've, with Radical, I've played the long game. Like I, day one, I did three things with Radical. So I'd done a lot in the industry. I was social, but I wouldn't say socially popular or anything like that. But when I started Radical, I did three things. Started investing in agency marketing, of course. I started the podcast uh, with, you know, it was just purely funded by me and creating a strategy and a structure and, and commitment to it 
But, you know, you know, starting a podcast, it was what two listeners the first two months, you know, and then my personal brand. So I invested in all three of those things equally and started, you know, and then really the Radcast and my personal brand sort of became the marketing pillars for Radical, you know, like the investment in. Um, And so started putting out content. You know, I'd been in the game. I had a lot to share. So it wasn't like I didn't have something to say or I was trying to like, you know, look cool in front of a car with nothing to say, you know, like you weren't making stuff up. Yeah, I wasn't making stuff up. I just started sharing my point of view and my thought leadership across social media. And then the podcast doing the same thing while having guests and improving guests and like staying committed. And it was like, you know, you know, things. And I think I, I may have mentioned to you before, you know, if you put these things all on a line grid with time, investment, and then revenue, like in some way, shape or form, showing those things. All three are on this upward trajectory of the last five years, the growth and followers and engagement on the podcast now being top 25 in the world. Um, some weeks, it's really weird algorithms on the charts. I can never figure it out. One week, we're like 114 and the next week, we're number nine. I'm like, what changed? Anyway, but I digress. The uh, Then my personal brand, doing content, video, constantly being available, engaging with people, doing those things. And so now I'm verified on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm, you know, a marketing influencer according to Google. Uh, <laughs> and and then the podcast uh, has grown, and the you know we've gone from obscure guests that I love and appreciate and that were great in their own way to celebrities and founders and famous people that are started cool brands, and the podcast numbers have gone with it, and the agency revenue has gone up. Uh, because eight of our 10 leads come from my personal brand or the podcast. And I would say mainly the podcast because that's usually what they reference, like when we ask them. So, you know, and I do a lot of shows like these. And then, of course, the Radcast, you know, twice a week. So it's been an interesting ride. But but I would say 80% of our leads are from brand activity and not promotional or, hey, we've got a good deal going, a social media package for $9.99. No, we didn't ever do that. It's all driven by the brand and me just sharing thought leadership and sharing knowledge and them going, okay, he seems like a nice guy. He knows what he's talking about. You know, like, so I've been living, living, living what I preach. And that lets you do a couple of things, right? So, so first, first things first, you do fall into a rhythm, which makes it cheaper over time, right? So the production costs in the beginning, uh, is relative to your learning costs, right? Which is superb. Uh, and the other part of it that it does is, um, as you start to build that that brand awareness, um, you get to charge more. That's right. Yes. I mean, we're a boutique agency and we're, we're affordable as boutique agencies go for South Carolina. We're not a New York agency. We don't try to act like one and we don't have the overhead of one. So we can provide good value, but we are not also the the cheapest <laughs> and we don't have to be. Not uh, anymore, right? No. In the beginning, you feel like this outrageous pressure to just get revenue in the door. Oh, yeah. Um, and and that pressure uh, makes you make sacrifices and stuff like that. But building the brand, I think, is a great way to offset some of that uh, because you'll have folks that are you know beating down the door going, hey, listen, I like the way you approach solving this problem. Uh, let's have you do that for us. And you go, well, maybe that costs a little more this time. Yeah, you so, have to. So when did when did that kind of um, pivot happen for you, where you were a little bit more um, uh, instead of pull, you know, customers just started coming in. 
you know, it took some time. I mean, it was probably, you know, if we've been doing, we'll, it'll be five years in May. So, uh, you know, we're a little over four and a half, I guess, if I'm doing it, or right at four and a half. Um, probably 18 months to two years uh, where, and it wasn't, there was none. So again, none of these things are like, stop, you know, we stopped having to do outbound and all inbound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this exact day, it was a build over time, but like you could really feel it 18, 24 months in uh, th- that it was happening. It's working. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's crazy when it does, right? Yeah. Because you're like, because you, what's really interesting there is when it's, when it flips, you think it's something you did the day before. You're not thinking it's something you did 18 months ago. Hey, that's why uh single click attribution is the, the worst science ever because they think that that first click is the, that's the only time they were interested. They knew anything about, they don't attribute any value to the brand. It's just maybe they've been researching you for six months and watching your website and looking at all this content. But today they clicked on a pay-per-click ad, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, well, and so there's there's some strategy there too, right? Like how much can you offload the customer education process onto your competitors? So yes. that you only, <laughs> you only get them when they're hungry to buy. But to yeah. your point, that's probably a, a, a good short-term but horrible long-term strategy because then they, they don't build the relationship with you. That's right. And, you know, I don't, I don't cloud my brain with too many other like outside, like I read a lot and I consume a lot. And it's not that I don't, you know, have mentors or things like that, but Chris Lockhead, Christopher Lockhead's one of my like true mentors and, and just everything that comes out of his mouth is like, it naturally aligns with kind of my thinking anyway. And he's a he's known as like the category pirate. He develops cat, you know, he believes in category development and not, you know, competing. So, you know, he would if if you were Pepsi to like if you were someone like Pepsi today, he would say that's the dumbest idea ever, trying to compete with someone that owns a category like a Coke. And and it's not to say that you can't be successful. He just brings he believes in, you know, reframing the category. When you reframe the category, you market the category and not yourself. And, you know, because you don't have to market your brand, you market the category because you own the category because you're the category starter. Right. So it, strategy kind of stuff, right? It right. is. It, it, it's a spin on that for yeah. sure. Um, and so that's a that's baked into to my approach a little bit as well. And kind of what I did with Radical with the podcast or anything like that. Like it may sound cliche now, but no ad agency has a, a, a podcast as popular as ours, period in the story and so, or the numbers and, and, and it's, that's a, a difference in in and of itself. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to thank you uh, for your time today and being on the show. I think it's uh, uh, I think our listeners are probably at this point going, please turn the fire hose off. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, you know, I, uh, I can go. <laughs> yeah. We're not, uh, we're <laughs> We're not uh, we're not talking about some light stuff here, right? You know, no, you know re- redevelop your strategy. Oh, I'll be done in ten minutes. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah. So you know, this is the kind of stuff that 
that you have to process and it does take time. I like uh, I like a lot of what you brought to the table here when it comes to um, you know how this works and setting timelines and expectations. I think it's really going to help the folks that are listening. Uh, so okay. thank you for that. Um, how can folks reach out to you uh, when they want to learn more about what you're doing and how that how you might be able to help them out? Yeah. So there's, uh, you know, I don't want to give too many, but I'll, you know, super simple is ryanalford.com, A-L-F-O-R-D. Uh, and you can go there. So if you're listening, and I have reverse engineered my exact process for building a personal brand and a podcast. That course is actually launching next week. So good timing, depending on when this airs and listens. So it'll be fully launched, I'm sure, when you're guests here. Um, but if you're someone who wants to work with our agency, radical.company is our website. And you can learn all about us. Awesome. And, um, and clearly you've picked up a lot of things in your travels here. Uh, but as you kind of punch out the door, we want to give you the Colombo chance to to say the three things or ask the ask the question. Um, what are the three things you picked up along the way uh, that you might think that our listeners could profit from? Yeah. Uh, businesses are built over time, not overnight. Um, the three keys to success are risk tolerance curiosity and availability you got to be available you got to be ready and available to take on new things to push yourself further you got to be curious if you aren't naturally curious you will not go far and if you aren't risk tolerant get the hell out of business <laughs> because you got to be able to put it all in uh because if you aren't that just means you don't have all the chips on the table and you aren't really going to get where you want to go and you'll get out risked <laughs> by somebody else that's right <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan. Hey, Brian, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-A-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done-for-you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck. Uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. 
Thanks.